Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Digital X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We are here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 231, the July 1988 issue on sale March 15th of 1988 with a cover price of a dollar, and this one's titled Dressed for Dinner. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's uh, Rick Leonardi, so, you know, it's top of their game issue. Well, I gotta say, I mean, this is some pretty good art in this one. Oh, I beg but, to differ. Well, okay. <laughs> it's 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 very different than the art that came before and will come after. I will grant you that. As somebody reading this and just like skipping to this one, or like in like going from last issue to this issue, like whoa, whoa, this is drastically different. But that said, I like Rick Leonardi the way he draws faces. It's almost got a he's he's kind of like early Mark Bagley. I don't know who Mark Bagley is. Oh well, I just outnerded you. <laughs> nice job. Um, I don't know. So when I was a kid and I was collecting the X Men, I went from the awesome art that was the Mutant Massacre to the fairly decent art of Reavers, and I actually I call that good art in in the Reavers issue. And then we went to the Christmas issue, which was not great. Okay, not great. And then we get to this issue, and it's the summer, right? And I got all the things that I'm doing. So this is where I kind of fall off the wagon a little bit. <laughs> and you blame the artwork? Uh, a little bit, because I'm like, I don't care about anything that's going on in this issue. Um, yeah, but I don't think that's the fault of the art. I think that's the fact that this has barely anything to do with like like right now the x-men as a comic book is reinventing itself but three issues in a row it's not going anywhere yes so part of the problem is the storyteller maybe is a little aimless or maybe bit off more than he could chew or maybe he's too busy with excalibur i don't know but i'm just as as a viewer when i was a kid or a reader as a kid i I was I, i lost interest i was like heavily into the X-Men for like a solid year reading the issues that came out and then buying back issues and then right after the fall of the mutants and the Reavers stuff I, I was I was intrigued and that was a good issue for a kid uh but but the Christmas issue the um uh OZ Chase issue and this issue I was just like geez and and now they're like a dollar a piece oh man oh no but anyways so on the cover of this you have Colossus, who I think is disproportionately drawn, although they do talk about that a little in the issue. You got a whole bunch of new mutants on the bottom of the page, um, and this orange person. Who's this orange person that's just laying there? That's some sort of techno-organic virus demon. You've got Ilyana with her soul sword, kind of under Colossus and everybody else, and Colossus is fighting Sa'im. Yep. Uh, sit in a great drawing. I think Rick Leonardi should stick to her to, uh, drawing creatures. I think he's really good at drawing creatures, but I, I don't like his human figures much. I, I, I don't have a problem with this. Like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's very different. It's a little more cartoony than what came before it. So it is drastically different, but I, I do like his faces a lot. There's a lot of good emotion in these faces the other thing is i i don't know if dan green likes inking rick leonardi because it it just the inks feel phoned into me 
Like the, the, a lot of the figures and a lot of the panels just lack depth. Some of them don't, but a lot of them do. And it, so it feels like these were on a two-week schedule, even though I don't think they are yet. Not yet. Almost. Yeah. And those are, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So I don't have much to say about, about this cover. Other, I'm not impressed by it. And I remember actually seeing it on the in the comic stand when I was a kid, and I was just like, well, it's the X-Men. I, I like the X-Men, but I don't this doesn't look like something I'm going to like. And, it, and, you know, I didn't really care for it. I learned a lot more about the new mutants than I had ever learned before though, which really isn't that much. No, honestly, there's, they're really not in this very much. I mean, at least not consciously. <laughs> exactly. They're featured on many panels, but yeah, they're asleep. Uh, <laughs> and we'll talk all about that. So, um, yeah, we open this thing up and Ileana's like dreaming about a grandma who wants to feed her an apple. Yeah, this is a weird opening because it really doesn't seem to have much to do with anything. Like I had to I had to go back and remind myself that this even happened after reading this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, "Wait, what is this about?" <laughs> and and there's sort of a loose connection, but it's it's very loose. But what I do like about it is the I do like the art and I like I especially like the colors of this. The colors are good. So yeah, she she is fed an apple by a gray-handed person that she's calling grandma. She's got the apple in her mouth, kind of like a pig has an apple in her mouth, and she seems to go into a very large oven. And the voice says, "Now, little Tsarina, whatever." Serena. Remember when we used to look up Russian words like this? Yeah, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At long last, your next page title of the comic. Dressed for dinner. So that's the connection, I think. Dream sequence about her being dressed for dinner. Well, yes. Plus, it, it is sort of relevant to what happens. Uh, loose, very loosely, though. Yeah. We, our caption says another time, another place. Right. So it, who it, knows how, many, how much time has passed. It's sort of impossible to tell. This, this story doesn't really take place in a time. Well, I mean, if, you, se. if spoilers, most of this issue takes place in or around Limbo. So you could just imagine that another time in another place was Limbo, a dream Limbo. Yeah. You know, loosely connected to Limbo. But we get a full page spread of Colossus smashing some rocks and he is ripped and huge. He's wearing tennis shoes, which is hilarious because where did he get those? Because they got to be like size 20. Uh, they were at the uh, at the shop. Yeah, the the reavers, all the those feetless reavers with their tank treads, are like, we don't need these shoes. The reavers shop, <laughs> and we see that Chris or uh, Stan Lee is presenting this. Chris Claremont's the writer, Rick Leonard's the penciler, Dan Green is the inker, Tom Morzikowski's the letterist, Glennis Oliver's the colorist, Anna Senti's the editor, and Tom DeFalco's the editor in chief. Um, the caption helpfully tells us that this event takes place after New Mutants number 66, which is more or less not important. But yeah, I'm contextually it, it quickly. is. I'm going to cover it right now very quickly. Really? Yeah. All right. This is the end of the episode at the beginning of the episode. All right. Just so that we're chronologically... Accurate? In in Yeah. Well, not that we ever are, <laughs> but... Uh, so where we last left off with New Mutants was Ilyana facing off with Forge. In this issue, she takes Forge into Limbo, and she inadvertently also takes the rest of the New Mutants into Limbo as well. And uh, as she 
kind of battles Forge. Um, the New Mutants s- almost get choked to death by some limbo plants. And uh, Ileana has her chance to kill Forge. And Forge basically just kind of gives up and says, fine, do it. I don't care anymore. Kill me. And at that point, she sees she sees a, a mirage that Danny casts at, of her horrible demon self. And she can't do it. She can't kill Forge. And she decides instead to save her friends. And uh, that's pretty much it. Right. She says she ponders something at the end that if she were to have actually gone through with it, uh, she would have fully transformed into the Dark Child. Yeah, you get some of that in this issue, too. So by not killing Forge and sending him back to Dallas, she's redeemed herself, I guess? I don't know. For now. For now. I mean, the same thing happens in this issue where she's like, had I done this thing, I would have right. totally gone Dark Child. It's pretty much every third thing she almost does <laughs> nowadays. And there's another scene of the new mutants walking by, I don't know, let's call it Cyberno's office and Magneto's <laughs> in there. And they comment that he's in his villain's costume. But why? Because he's the Hellfire Club's white king. And he's more interested in their affairs than ours. That can only be bad news for all of us. Yep. And then a Lila Cheney spoiler or teaser or Lila Cheney. I don't know what that's about. We'll find out next month. I don't care. All right. Yeah. So back to Colossus smashing rocks. He is smashing rocks and Rogue flies in and, and I'm not sure, but she's wearing some orange sunglasses. So I don't know if it's really bright out or if she's trying a new look for her costume. Well, yeah, the idea is that it is very hot out. Everybody is wearing kind of sun gear. Colossus has got, like, he's just got gym shorts and the tennis shoes, as I mentioned. And it looks like red socks. Fashion faux pas. <laughs> he is dressed in his workout clothes. Uh, Rogue is like, oh, lordy, big guy, do you have the slightest notion how good you look? Yum. She thinks that to herself, because if she said that out loud, Colossus would be so embarrassed, he'd explode. <laughs> Rogue touches him. Uh, he's all mad. He's sad about his sister and, and everything that's happened, uh, that he can't tell his sister that he's alive. And Rogue goes in to comfort him by just touching him on the shoulder. But it's so hot out, and he's made of steel, because he can't tra- transform into human form, that his steel has absorbed so much heat that her costume burns. And we get a quick reminder that, you know, if it would have been a second longer, she would have absorbed his psyche and powers. <laughs> yep, because, you know, that's what Rogue does. She reminds everybody. Yep. Oh, Cramony Colossus. She takes off and she's like, hey, man, you if you ever need to talk to somebody, I'm, I'm your friend. I'll be more than happy to talk to you. Uh, but but I'm out. See ya. I wonder if at this point Chris Claremont even knows he's writing that for Rogue or if it's like second nature and he doesn't even realize he wrote it. It's like, <laughs> did I do that? Oh, man. <laughs> I Yeah, it's probably just second nature. Um, So Colossus goes to review... His sketchbook, he must have been doing some sketches earlier in the day. And as we said, he's so hot that his sketchbook burns up and he's unable to put it out because his hands are so hot. And this sketch of Ileana and probably Kitty and everything else he's drawn uh, burns up, which I always wondered if he's so hot and he's burning up paper like that. Like, why don't his shorts and his shoes burst into flames? 
Why yeah, this doesn't he, make any sense. Just out in the sun, just like a completely naked metal colossus. Just like well, not only that, but I like, am so hot, I cannot wear clothes right. For 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 something to like get on fire the way that this sketchbook does, and to burn the whole thing to a to nothing but the spiral that holds the pages together. Um, that happens really quickly. It all just kind of bursts into flame, which makes me wonder if he's using like f- flame paper or something. <laughs> I I buy it. I mean, you get metal to a certain temperature. Actually, you're right. It probably wouldn't burst into flames. It would probably just like uh, singe and turn black, and you could probably put it down real quick. Like maybe he's using like charcoal pencils, and they light up really fast, and he's using like super tender paper. I'm trying. Is... I'm trying a new technique where I use like, lighter fluid. It's like toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, and he sees Gateway off to the side, who's looking away. He was wondering. Do you mock me, comrade Gateway, with your silent stare? Small wonder. I am no longer. No longer am I a man of flesh and blood, but of living steel. <gasps> Storm casts a shower to cool him off. And, he's, and I would be worried if I was Storm, because if you make something really hot, really cold, really fast, it could crack. Like, she's not really thinking this through. Yeah, hasn't she seen Terminator 2? Yeah, he could explode into a bunch of pieces and then reform himself. Well, I'm guessing that Storm probably has such great control that it starts out as a warm shower ah. and then slowly cools. Yeah, that could be. Storm is also wearing a strange summer variant of her costume. Yeah, it's like a bikini bottom with like a leather jacket that maybe should have an undershirt but doesn't because you get all the cleavage down to her belly button. It's and it's she... it's sexy time in the outback. It's hot out. That's what you do, man. Yeah, but you don't you, wear like a leather onesie. <laughs> if, if when it's hot out, I do. I wear le- that's all I wear is leather onesies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they call me Mister Leather Onesie all the time. <laughs> is that what they call you? Yeah, sometimes it's <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, um, she's also does not have a mohawk anymore in this in this uh, Rick Leonardi drawn version. I, you're right. You are right. There. You're right. Yep, it's like we, they can't we, make up their mind. Definitely remember I was saying like the hair above the ears is missing in the last issue. Yeah, it's here. Yeah. It's totally here. She's got a full yeah. head of hair. I think so, that uh, I think depending on the artist, that's going to change. I wonder what Silvestri will do next issue. I bet you he's like, no, it's kind of a mohawk. I'm drawing it back <laughs> as a kind of a Rick Leonardi. He doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked forward. She's got a mohawk. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a total mohawk. It's the same it's kind of mohawk, though, like that mullet mohawk we were talking about. Uh, I see. Last issue. So, yeah. That must be a Silvestri thing. And Rick Leonardi's like, oh, I'm just a guest penciler. <laughs> I didn't read any back issues. When do I draw demons? Because that's all I'm waiting for. <laughs> uh, Storm chats him up, tries to make him feel better, and flies him back to town. It's very long-winded. You are stronger and tougher than you were, Peter, a true Colossus. So he's stronger and and also tougher. It's kind of sort of the same thing, but okay. And uh, he really wants to go and tell Ileana that he's alive. Well, he's having a dream. So I'm wondering if... Where's he having a dream? Well, he says... uh, it is Ileana Storm. I wonder if my ah. dreams of her are not some form of warning that she is in danger. 
so the connection that I guess I get now is that the the opening page of her in the outfit, uh, the 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 Russian outfit with all the colors, eating the apple from you, Grandmama. Sure, that you, is Colossus's dream. Okay, I buy that. There's no evidence that it's not. It it's it's gotta be. Sure, I, I buy it. Um, and so, yeah, he definitely wants to go talk to her, let him know that everything's okay and see if he can figure out if she needs help. But, uh, Storm is like, well, remember we did this cause we want to be able to strike without we consequence. Have an, oppor- an unparalleled opportunity to strike at our enemies without fear of imperiling those who we care for. <laughs> but we're just going to sit on that. Don't, don't know if we're going to do it. Don't know when we're going to do it. Been here a Honestly, while. I'm not even sure they're ever going to do it. I don't remember <laughs> them doing it. <laughs> They haven't done it yet. Uh, they they will, but I don't know if it's like uh, they will. But I don't remember if it's like they happen into it or if it's like, there they are. Let's get them. Yeah, I, I don't point, remember. It just seems like a lot of talk. Yes, there's a lot of talk here because like, really, what are they going to do? It's a Marvel comic. It's not like they're going to be like, Freedom Force wronged us. Let's kill them. <laughs> the Marauders wronged us. Let's kill them. See, I I would much rather have had another issue of them returning gifts. <laughs> while while uh, Chris Claremont figures out, like, okay, how am I going to have them strike, but have it so that whoever they strike at is able to come back in a few issues? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, instead of that, we get we get this issue. We get a full page of the X Men doing dishes, which you don't normally see and, and I'm okay with it actually they they're actually using teamwork to clean the kitchen except Colossus he keeps breaking dishes cuz he's so strong and and Wolverine's using it as a training exercise to be like well remember you have a little bit of sensitivity in your nerve endings so try to use those so that you don't break her dishes Havoc makes light of the situation saying that Colossus is trying to get out of doing dishes yep which is hilarious and everybody uh thinks it's hilarious long shot dazzler madeline they're all in on the joke <laughs> storm is creating a little shower for them to wash dishes she apparently does not wash dishes but she does create the shower so she's reading some handwritten files right here <laughs> on, on what, who they're gonna strike at first it's basically a big piece of paper that says list of people we could strike. <laughs> yeah. There's a big question mark on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Not sure. Uh, They're also talking about how Colossus wants to go back and uh, or go, go and find his sister and let her know that uh, she, he's alive. And uh, the, the X-Men are kind of debating whether or not it's the right or wrong thing to do. And uh, Dazzler and, Alex are on the side of let him let him do it, and that's when Gateway busts in, and instantly everybody knows exactly what Gateway wants because he points at Colossus, and they all follow him up to the uh, top of the little mountainside, and Rings starts swinging his bowl roarer around in a circle, and Storm says, "Here's what's go here's what's going down. Uh, Gateway's going to transport you somewhere. You're going to do a mission, and then you're going to come back, and if you have the opportunity to tell." Ileana, that you're alive. Okay, I guess. How Gateway knows where to send him. Same way he does, Sugar, when he sends us on our merry way. He just knows. So, that's a good explanation. Also, earlier it says Dazzler is talking about, like, uh, how she's got a sister and a mom. Honestly, I thought they were dead. I think the dad is dead. The dad is 
definitely dead. And maybe like maybe there was a fake mom. I feel like there was a fake mom who died early. Then the dad died, but not after revealing that she had a different mother. And then weren't <laughs> we there maybe clearly not Dazzler historians? <laughs> we read the whole damn thing. And I feel like there was two sisters. There was like a fake sister and then a mutant sister. Are you sure that wasn't a fake mom? I don't remember. I, I remember the the mutant sister because the mutant sister was like addicted to her powers or something. But there, I thought the original mom died early on, but then it was revealed that that wasn't actually her mom. Maybe she had two dads. Let's just assume she had two of everything. She was like that on that show, My Two Dads? That was her mutant power, to have two of everything. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, I feel like her family history is very messy. Well, I'm assuming that Chris Claremont knows it by heart. So if she says she's got a mom and a sister, then she's got a mom and a sister. Fair enough. So Colossus takes off through Gateway's portal, and we switch our attention to... Ilyana, who's in limbo on top of her, there's a name for this, her mountain. Yeah, that's what uh, Magic Ma- it's a mountain calls magic, it. It's a magic mountain. So apparently, I think this is the first time where this is being uh, revealed to us, but whoever's magic mountain is taller is the ruler of limbo. And Sa'im's magic mountain is made up of all of his legion of... Uh, bionic demons or whatever they are everybody's techno virus and then there you've also got the happy face guy there from i think the the new mutants follow the mutants i like this concept of sims just standing on a pile of techno organic demons and if he keeps saying like my magic mountain is getting taller it's almost as tall as yours to me it just means like at the bottom which is what I'd love to see is just like a bunch of techno organic virus demons are running to the bottom to push the entire top up. And it's just like a probably huge pile of techno virus demons. I think that's a neat idea. (laughs) We will never see that. No, but I like to imagine it. (laughs) So she's, she's mad about her brother and she's like, I can raise the dead with the spell. So I'm going to summon Colossus, but before she's able to finish the spell, he shows up, which means Gateway can teleport people into limbo. Yeah, Gateway's power is basically to be able to teleport them anywhere, I guess. I Remember when I called him plot device? <laughs> <laughs> Gateway's power is to be plot device. And if well, you... What could... I mean, technically, couldn't you say that about all the mutant powers? No, because... Uh, I think you said that maybe Gateway gets more story, but for me, he exists in this place where the X-Men don't have transportation. And then as soon as the X-Men have transportation, there's no more Gateway. So by that argument, yeah, you're probably right. I guess it, <laughs> I guess it, it, it depends on how much Chris Claremont is willing to characterize or add some characterization to Gateway, uh, whether or not he does that. I don't know. I guess the the fact that he doesn't speak makes it somewhat hard. And I don't mind that. Um, but there is one issue coming up where he does speak, but it's in an annual. So I don't know if it actually counts. Ooh, 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 <laughs> ooh. Does he say, does he say, I am Groot? <laughs> no. Oh. But that would be pretty amazing if he did. That would be awesome. Yeah. No, he doesn't say that. So she doesn't finish casting her spell, but somehow she forgets that she didn't finish casting her spell. Well, I think she 
thinks that she did cast yeah. her spell for at least at least until the end of the issue. It gets a little debatable towards the end. It's a little murky. So he shows up and uh, he, I don't think he's ever seen her like this. So she's got like cloven hoof feet and armor and uh, horns. Her face is still Ileana. She's still got blonde hair, um, but she's definitely becoming more demon-like. There is also this kind of M talks about the spell as though it's the one of the most evil uh, dark spells you can cast. So that's kind of a it's kind of a note to hang over this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's like. Uh... She, she, he goes in for a hug and he's trying to make it like a tender reunion. She's like, ah, you're not real. You're a necromantic shade summoned by my sorcery. In other words, you're just a facade of my brother. And Sam is like, hey, I, I want to offer my respects too. And um, that starts out some sort of weird fight where that's where he first mentions his, his magic mountain is getting as tall as uh, Ilyana's. And Colossus doesn't like this back and forth between the two of them, so he don't, jumps off of her magic mountain, dives and takes out Sim, and they start fighting. She's like, watch out if you get touched even by a little bit by Sim, who's completely naked, right? He's wearing his vest, he's got a cigar, and he's got his underwear. Like, uh, Colossus has a tank top and shorts. It's impossible for Sim to not touch Colossus. <laughs> but she says to herself, why am I upset? This isn't Peter. It isn't even alive. But we, of course, know that he is alive. And it turns out in the next panel that uh, because, presumably because uh, Colossus is metal. He says, because he thinks to himself, because my armored body has become impervious to magical attacks as to physical ones, exclamation point, um, after he says, your powers appear to have no effect on me. So he knows this. I feel like his little thought bubble should just have a question mark on it instead of an exclamation point. Um, but whatever. So he, he just knows, like, I'm impervious to magic. You know, a lot of people know a lot of things in this issue. So <laughs> this good. is the issue of knowing things that you shouldn't necessarily know. Sure. So he he just punches the crap out of Sim. Sim explodes into a million pieces and he's dead. Pow. Long live Sim. And uh, Ilyana pops down to say to Colossus, don't don't ever do something without my permission. I summoned you under the rules of sorcery. You have to do what I say. And Colossus, rather than saying, actually, it's really me. Um, it seems like you're going kind of crazy. I should it, it might help you out if, if you know that your brother's alive. But and says he's like, well, maybe maybe I should just keep this a secret since she thinks I'm dead already. Why not? Yep. My point is, Colossus is a jerk. Mm, I don't know. You should not be withholding from your sister that you're alive. Especially especially considering all the crap that's going down right now. He gets the best of both worlds, though. He gets to hang out with his sister. His sister is indeed in trouble, and he gets to be the person that helps her with this trouble. Uh, but because she believes that he's just a, a facade of what he once was, he can use this to safeguard the X-Men's um, secret. And really, when we at the end of the issue, I think they both more or less know what's going on. Maybe? Maybe not. I don't think Ileana does. Yeah, maybe you're right. But she at least, she, well, I guess I'm jumping ahead, but I feel like she this uh, this adventure gives her 
uh, closure, where she didn't have closure before. Because before, she was the one that teleported him to uh, Dallas. In fact, I think they talk about that in the New Mutants issue, where Forge is like, well, you brought him here. And she's like, yeah, I couldn't get back because of the magical bubble that was surrounding it. And so she didn't get closure there. And this, I think, gives her that closure. So the at least amicably be able to get to walk away from it, and the secret is protected. Little little shady, I, I guess, but I, I, I guess because I felt like she did get closure in the last issue of New Mutants, where she didn't kill Forge. No, well, she basically made the choice. She said, "You know what? I'm going to keep you alive because you don't deserve to be hanging out with my brother and Storm." And that for me felt like closure. So this is like you know just double closure. Maybe I feel like last issue was just more her being like, "You're not worth me turning into the Dark Child." And this issue is where she gets to say fair, sort of gets to say farewell to her brother. But you can look at it either way. I mean, if you're reading New Mutants and only New Mutants, then the story has closure. If you're reading just the X Men, then this issue doesn't matter. <laughs> now, from that pers- from that perspective, that uh, that she gets to say goodbye to Colossus, that's really nice, and I like that. But at the same time, Colossus isn't dead, and it's a real jerk move. I know what they're trying to they need to be able to strike without fear of repercussions yeah whatever and if one x-man is alive then they're all alive I'm trying to say that like she can't keep a secret I I don't know this is no it doesn't make any sense don't let anybody know the x-men are alive everybody knows that Ileana has the biggest mouth and she'd go right (laughs) back to Xavier's and be like guys I know something you don't know (laughs) And then she would tell Anyway. Him, the X-Men are alive and they're in the Outback. Oops. Don't tell Magneto. What was that, Juliana? We're going to uh, the Outback? Why yeah. are you in your Magneto outfit? Why are you a villain right now? Because we're going to the Outback to kill the X-Men. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so he uh, Colossus wonders why he was summoned. And Ileana gives us a backstory that one night while studying, um, some freaks came and kidnapped all the new mutants and oh, not just freaks they were freaks from the book that she was reading her fairy tale yeah and the um Azel- was reading a, a classic literature of russian literature book the novel well. was as Az- as behemoth and Korovu. no the the book was oh, the, the master from- the master and margarita gotcha by mikhail bulgakov the characters from the book were Azazello, Behemoth, and Koroviev. So they come alive. Uh, one one dude looks like a cat. The other dude just looks like a weird dude. And then another one looks like, I don't know, a magician. They drag Ilyana off to the kitchen of the mansion where it is discovered the rest of the New Mutants are also captured and being prepared to be eaten by uh, Baba Yaga. Yep. Russian and Polish boogeyman. Or boogie woman. And um, this also kind of ties in with the the dream sequence from the very beginning. Yeah, this is probably the grandmother. And if it was Colossus's dream, it was probably projected to him somehow magically by Ileana, maybe? Yeah, maybe. I'm happy with that. <laughs> so, yeah, she's going to be like, I'm going to eat you, and you can't get your soul sword. So what do you think about that? So she teleports herself to Limbo. So Ileana can't use magic in the mansion because uh, Baba Yaga says so. She's placed wards uh, everywhere. So 
Luckily, her teleportation power is a mutant ability, so she's able to do that. And then in a bit of BS writing, uh, Chris Claremont writes, she couldn't stop me escaping, but somehow she prevented my teleporting the other new mutants away. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. When in <laughs> doubt, just throw somehow. So the mansion, uh, is this what the mansion looks like right now? Must be. Yeah. It's all yeah, evil looking. The, the spooky mansion. Neighbors are like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, it's all spooky looking. And Ilyana teleports Colossus there, but into the air. So that he can drop like a big bomb into the kitchen. Which he does. Uh, the New Mutants are hanging there and a whole bunch of like... Uh, gross. They're feeding them. They're fattening them up with like bags. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Uh, gross. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably just like butter, pure butter that they're even just, Warlock is getting fattened up. Yeah, so like there's there's these bags of let's say butter that dri- are dripping directly into their mouths. Yeah. Well, there's tubes that go directly into their mouths. I never noticed that before. It's that's intense, man. So these there's all these monsters, ogre looking people, and uh they see Colossus and they're pretty happy that they're gonna they're gonna grab him and they're gonna Crack them apart and eat them for an appetizer. Baba Yaga takes off with the kids, um, and Colossus, after after he manages quickly to defeat the monsters, poor, follows after her. Poor Sunspot's naked. Is he? Yeah. Well, he's probably wearing tidy whiteies or something. Yeah, he looks naked. Everybody else got clothes on. He's naked. Well, Sam's got pajamas on. Yeah, I bet he's. I bet it's Roberto. He's probably wearing a speedo. I don't know. I think Chris Claremont likes to write in his stories, all people of color sleep without clothes. Because <laughs> it could be. Every time you see Storm getting up out of bed, she's completely naked. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, yeah, Colossus takes out these ogre people and follows Baba Yaga to a doorway that he can't fit through and isn't strong enough to punch through, even though he doesn't try. He just knows. <laughs> I cannot fit through here, so I need to turn into my human form, even though it's not like I would punch this, because it looks like it's just wooden. <laughs> well, know. it's it's a magical story. Fine. So he is, with great concentration, he's able to turn into his human form and, and slip through the door. But Baga's, Yaga's like, ooh, look at you, flesh. I want to eat that. On the top right panel, uh, Roberto is wearing some form of underpants. Ah, you're right. <laughs> Rick Leonardi did not get the note about all people of color wearing <laughs> nothing to bed. Uh, so apparently Baba Yaga is very strong because she's able to fight Colossus off. And um, Colossus beats her by turning back to steel. And she literally explodes. Yep. Iliana said sorcery and demons are most vulnerable to iron. I should know this because this is the exact same trick I used in the adversary, but I forgot. So she, she, I guess just by touching him? Uh, um, she's like all on top of him. Like she, she's touching his chest and stuff, like feeling like all the muscles, like getting ready to tenderize him. It is kind of cute like... when he tries to hit her with a rolling pin. Yeah. <laughs> It's a gigantic rolling pin. So yeah, well, I guess you need a gigantic rolling pin in order to cook up a new mutant. Yeah. So she's all over him. So when he turns into iron, even though they, 
Is he iron or is he steel? He is organic steel, which he says ah. is a form of iron. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, so when he does that, she explodes. Shakow! I won, he says. And that's when Ilyana shows up. Or no, I guess she doesn't. She just teleports everybody back to limbo? Yeah, because the wards are no longer there, I guess. Hmm. So she teleports everybody back to limbo, and there's like a devil worship star or whatever that is. Pentagram. She's she's going to restore everything through magic uh, and the use of a pentagram. And um, Colossus convinces her that... um, What does he convince her of? What is going on here? Oh, God. There's a lot of words. Um, she returns the kids back to normal. They're still oh, sleeping, and, though. Okay. So Colossus Colossus convinces her that she is a good person because even though she looks like a crazy person and she is, she keeps using all this dark magic, um, she wants to be good, and that's all that really matters. Don't Don't you listen to what you say? Don't you understand? You are only good because you want to be. Isn't that the point? Making a deliberate, conscious choice? And they hug, or he embraces her, rather. Yeah, it's a weird hug, too. It's like, it's kind of like a boyfriend-girlfriend hug. Mm, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess. I I don't know. I think it's all right. It's weird because it's... he's topless, but that's, you know. <laughs> and she's wearing a metal bikini, essentially. I don't know. It's it's weird. I don't think I've ever hugged a friend in this manner. And that manner is coming up from behind somebody and hugging them around the chest while that person kind of clamps their arms around your arms. I feel like I've hugged women that way that I have either been involved with or interested in being involved with. <laughs> it is It is a very intimate sort of thing, but maybe they just have a close, intimate brotherly sisterly relationship i don't know i'm not exactly i'm not defending it or arguing uh for it it's it's not overtly like incesty but it's not my cup of tea like i would never hug my sister that way but you know it's close it's just not quite there so i'm okay with it i'm just commenting on it she says uh you're dead and he says well am i so long as a person exists in the hearts and memories of those he loves and who loves him he can never truly die see ya (laughs) <laughs> wouldn't want to be ya. yes he goes through the portal and she didn't cast any spells so i i would if i was her i'd be like wait a minute something else is going on here well she 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 yeah that's that is that is a good point she knows she doesn't comment on that at all but she does, she say, does say uh i brought you back once big brother i can do it again and then she says, no, I can, but I won't. That spell, casting that spell would have made me the dark child. Mm-hmm. So we get that again. Yep. Well, if you don't read New Mutants and you only read the X-Men, you're here. Um, do you know who Kristen, Chris, I think it's Kristen or Kirsten Bell? Yeah. She looks like Kristen Bell on this page. They should have cast Kristen Bell to play her in the New Mutants movie that's never coming out. <laughs> I do like the panel, uh, Rick Leonardi's drawing of Ileana when she's calling out to Peter. She says, Peter! Yeah. Like that first panel, that's a good panel. Um, and I guess the one, the close-up of her holding onto her sword is also is also pretty good. But anyways, yeah, so the New Mutants are, uh, they're all asleep, and she's like... Um, Let's go home. Let's go home, new mutants who are still sleeping. 
And so with Sa'im dead, we get a little prologue here. The smiley face guy is like, all right, the coast is clear. It's my time. Listen up. There's a new boss. Sim's out. I'm in. But as he's talking, Sim bursts through the smiley-faced guy and says, as long as any little piece of the techno-organic virus exists, so does Sa'im. But I don't think he's techno-virus now. Now I think he's just normal demon. Well, no, he's techno-virus, but they, he doesn't like look like it for some reason. Mm. And for some reason, there's like a, a, a statue of Colossus that he's talking about. He's like, I guess, I guess, because Sim wants to punch a, Col- a, a statue of Colossus. Yep. Nice try, but no cigar. Thought you had your sis for sure. Kid thinks she's on top, but she's wrong. My mountain's getting pretty tall. Um, she, let's see. Her wild sorcery is putting too great a strain on the walls uh, between Limbo and Earth. Nasties are starting to slip through, and that's essentially Baba Yaga. Right. So this is. Inferno take one. Yeah, just a little Inferno seepage, if you will. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> seepage. So it's it's kind of neat if you know that Inferno is coming, but if you're if you're a young man reading yeah. the X Men, you're probably like, "Well, that was dumb." Yep, and it was. <laughs> uh, so the omnibus. I think it just it feels like they just threw all these comics in in random order. No, no, they are in a specific order because if you notice, the issue that takes place before this issue is New Mutants number 66. I saw that, but then there's X Factor 30, which is just like splatted like way later in the omnibus. Well, right. Uh, it goes, it, it goes like three issues of X Factor and then three issues of and I'm I'm just making these numbers up. There's probably not three. Three issues of X-Men and then three issues of New Mutants and then three more issues of X-Men and then you get your annuals from that area and then you go back to X-Factor. So, I mean, there's... I don't, I don't know if this is 100% chronological the way that it goes, but whatever. It's probably fine. It, it, isn't, it is an order that seems to be on purpose. Yeah, so there you go. Um... Another filler issue, yep. or or I guess Inferno seepage, whatever you want to call it. Um, hey, but the next issue, the Brooder back. That's exciting. That's true. That's true. Maybe that's who they wanted to strike at. <laughs> I'm assuming that this is going to be a follow up, finally to uh, Alex and Lorna discovering the Brood like 20 issues ago. Yeah, which I I I don't have a problem with. I like that that seed was planted and. I mean, I guess in real time, like three years have passed or two, but probably most of the readers at this point are like, what's a brood? But that's fine. I hope in the next issue they refer back to that other issue, but they probably don't. Yeah, never know. I think they do. Uh, I think, but I think there's a size discrepancy with the, the brood shark thing. Well, I don't, I just mean, I hope there's a caption that says as last seen in X-Men 100 or whatever. <laughs> 217 or 218. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. Um, if you would like to get a hold of us and let us know what you think, you should do so by going to www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at danger room go. 
email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. You can go out to iTunes, go to the podcast section, type in Danger Room or the first podcast that shows up. You can subscribe to us, like us, leave us some feedback, uh, leave us a rating, all those helpful things. And uh, you can also call us, 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. And let us know what's on your mind with your voice. You can yeah. also hit us up. You can become a Patreon at uh, www.patreon.com forward slash danger room. I don't think you become a Patreon. I think you go to Patreon to become a patron. No. In <laughs> my version, you become a Patreon. All right. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's what you become. Do you talk like this when you are a Patreon? <laughs> you talk however you want. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, and our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. We also read X Factor number 30. In yes, sir. In which, whew, not much happens. Infectia. Oh, actually, there's a couple of things, I suppose, that happen. Infectia really wants this ship, and she's trying like crazy to flirt with Iceman because she realizes that when she makes a human or gives a human powers... Uh, the the more they use their powers, or the faster they use their powers, the quicker they disintegrate and die. So she thinks that if she can infect a mutant, preferably Iceman, who's become kind of the spokesperson for Iceman or X Factor, like he's a hottie. Well, and he's a hottie, but the powers will last longer. Uh, Beast witnesses Infectia infecting a police officer, and keeps trying to tell Iceman, but Iceman won't listen. And since Colossus, or Jesus, since Beast has got, like, the intellect of a child, he's just, like, all mopey and, like, no one listens to Beast. Um, yeah, Iceman should really be listening to Beast. I mean... it It's really... The, these issues... And this is another thing. Like, again, it's... This, this is uh, Walt Simonson and Louis Simonson, who are usually a good team. I mean, they got married, for God's sake, so they should be a really good team. Well, what what's happening, I think, is that they're they're making Iceman into this kind of uh, celebrity sort of figure. So he's he's kind of he's acting like a jerk. And I don't mind that. I don't really mind that. That's fine. I have a big problem with a lot of the art in this issue. Really? Oh yeah. Like, uh, so the first page with with uh, Infectia looking at Iceman is fine. Infectia looks great. Um, uh, through her spyglass, she's looking at very cartoony pictures of Iceman, which is also fine because it's kind of my mutant power makes him a monster. But but then when you see them playing um, baseball or, or racquetball or whatever they're playing on top of the ship, um, I just don't like how Iceman or any of these characters are drawn. Like they lack detail. It's like they're rushing to get these comics done. I feel like if you look at this issue and five issues ago, X Factor, there's way less detail in the art. Mm, like the, maybe the, 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 there's just far less lines less inking probably but i mean you got bob weasek on ink so it's not like you got a bad you don't have a bad team here i just feel like they don't have any time and they're just like to me it feels like the writing and the art is just like rushed this this is a nice panel of Iceman giving a uh a grim look to cyclops where he's like chill out cyclops it, it is and it isn't like the mouth is great, but the 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 pencil drawings on his uh, cheek, just to me, it looks like somebody just scribbled that out on a piece of paper and we're like that's panel. 
you know what it is? It's it's just a sketchy style, and that's maybe just something you don't like. Yeah, but this isn't this isn't Walt Simonson's style, or maybe I guess maybe it's becoming Walt Simonson's style. But I think Walt, they're they're this might be Walt Simons Walt Simonson inked by Bob Wyasek style. Maybe I feel like he just the book. This run, this era of X Factor and X Men, kind of bounced back and forth between this real lack of detail art, and then back to like what you're normally used to with a bunch of lines and a bunch of shading. Hmm. That's just just there's to me there's just a noticeable change, and in my opinion, it's a decline in the artwork. He's trying some stuff out. Yeah. The creative team are trying some things out. I don't like it. Anyways, <laughs> um. The Gene uh, uh, and Cyclops head off to Dallas, and we get a little caption that, like, the Freedom Force have been in and out of Dallas, which I guess explains why they were at the Pentagon and how the New Mutants saw them. So they haven't just been standing here for, like, the last two months <laughs> since the X-Men died, or however long it's been. They've just been waiting around, and, like, the New Mutants show up, and they fight them, and they're like, well, what do we do now? Well, let's just wait. And then X-Factor shows up. And they're like, all right, let's fight them now. Yeah. So really all Gene and Cyclops want to do is ask Freedom Force, like, where's Madeline or where did Madeline put my baby? Right. And uh, Blob's like, you're under arrest because you ain't registered and you're a mutant. So we got to arrest you. And then they start fighting. And Crimson Commando, like, holds a gun to Gene's head. And he looks like crazy. Like, again, this is like, I feel like people are just phoning stuff in because we saw Crimson Commando during the fall of mutants, like, have a heart and be like, oh, my God, stop murdering those Native Americans. And here he's just like, I'm crazy and I got a gun to your head. Yeah, I, I think maybe some people don't understand these characters, but I think as far as like crazy looking, I think that's just the style that they're going for. I mean, look at... uh fire guy down there pyro he looks you know he was all concerned like in the he looks van like a mega man villain and now he looks yeah he looks he only looks like a cartoon character exactly and i think that's sort of the style that this is going for is half cartoon half realistic and you know it's not for everybody we get a there's a little uh somewhere in here we get a cameo by a bug shaped ship that has an egg-shaped robot flying around yep yeah that's it we don't get anything other than he's like just flying around um what's it say he 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 recites a scottish prayer written by an anonymous scottish poet and then he shows up at a house and says we're here he says we're here right right because you got musical notes and everything got the classic poltergeist mm-hmm. yeah so, so I, don't, I don't know if, i don't know if anything will become of that character but but there he is we we get to see him um you know, it says in the next issue thing <laughs> well it does but uh so beast is all you know like i said mopey because Iceman won't listen to him about infection in fact he's like i'm a mutant and you're x factor so you got to take me to your ship and train me because i don't know how to use my powers i'm scared she shows up. The kids of the X Factor instantly hate Infectia, and and again, this is just terrible. This last page of Cyclops or of uh, of Iceman and his dopey huge grins. 
I like the dopey huge grins. I hate it. It's just, <laughs> it. it's not, again, you look at any smile of Iceman's before this issue, and it's it's got more than two lines. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no lip definition. just lacks all definition. It looks, it looks very two-dimensional, flat. I'm in a hurry. Like, look at Boom Boom in the background. I think there's like seven lines there. I think he's too busy drawing Infectious legs. Well, that's interesting because Infectia is like very well drawn in almost every panel. Everybody around her is just like a flat drawing, which would be interesting if that was her mutant ability. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they, they go off on their own and Infectia's like, oh, the moon is beautiful. Kiss me. And we know that that's how Infectia infects somebody. So boom, there you go. X Factor. So I had one question um, when they're playing volleyball with one of Boom Boom's bombs, mm-hmm. um, and Leech says, "Leech got it, Leech got it." Um, does that mean that Leech is like learning to control his powers? Because wouldn't it wouldn't if Leech grabbed one of her bombs, wouldn't it like disappear? I don't think so. <laughs> so what would so if so what how would how would Leech deactivate Boom Boom. Would he have to be so first? You have beside to beside her. You have to ask yourself uh, when Boom Boom creates her bombs. Does she have total control over the bomb until it explodes? Like she always does that three, two, one. Like is that part of the power, or is it just like I made this bomb? It's going to go off in three seconds. So I better count it Here off. Here she's three, doing two, a countdown from eight. You're right, right. So maybe she, when she makes the bomb, she's like, this bomb is going to go off in eight seconds. Or when she throws it and she starts her mental time, like these are elements of her power that I don't understand. There's also a thing in there where uh, Marvel Girl and Scott are like, you guys are crazy. Boom, boom. We told you not to do that. That was such a huge bomb. And she's like, oh, I would have made it smaller before it exploded or something of that nature. So we kind of get the indication that she's got complete control over the bomb until it explodes. So I think that Leech could get close to the bomb. Everything would be fine. But if Leech got close to Boom Boom while the bomb was still present, the bomb would dissipate. Or explode. It's <sighs> a good it's a good point. I feel like it would dissipate because I feel like the explosion is the final portion of the power. But I well, don't know, man. Leech must be able to control his power a little bit because he's pretty close to Skids. Like he's on the opposite side of the net of Skids, and Skids is able to use her power. And also, he's standing fairly close to Iceman, who is still iced up. Yeah, he's learning to rein his powers in. All right. And, it, you know, he, he, he uh, is able to control his powers, uh, depending on what the plot needs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, for this issue, he's got control. I, I can't tell you about the next issue. <laughs> and then finally... Marvel Presents, Marvel Comics Marvel Presents. Marvel Comics Presents number four, uh, which basically it's called The Ordeal, and Wolverine is trapped by Sapphire Sphinx and um, Roche, I guess was the villain's name, and then the other villain's name is Razor Fist, and Wolverine has the same questions about Razor Fist that you had in the last episode, which is, how do you eat and get dressed? <laughs> Razor Fist does not answer that question (laughs) he's too embarrassed to be like i don't (laughs) um wolverine's being tortured and we cut back to the princess bar where we see 
Tiger or Jess, Jesse Hohen. Jess Ann. Jess, Jess Ann Hohen is uh, talking to the owner of the Princess Bar, O'Donnell. And she feels sort of guilty about what she did to Wolverine. Um, and he says, isn't ever stopped to consider that maybe precisely what Roche is counting on. And, uh, she comments that the old Jessen Hohen is gone and she doesn't even miss her. Hmm. So we, we barely even got to know the old Jessen Hohen. Uh, Wolverine manages to escape using his claws. Imagine that. And then he faces off with razor fist. He does not beat him, but he falls, uh, out of a waterfall, and of course, Razor Fist thinks he's dead because comics. <laughs> yep. I guess he doesn't realize he, he forgot to. He doesn't have any files to let him know what Wolverine, the full extent of Wolverine's powers are. Right. Yeah. Wolverine's doing pretty bad right now. Um, I mean, not in you know, it's the usual thing where today's Wolverine could handle any of this stuff easily, but 1980s Wolverine is probably like, oh, this is the worst I've ever been. So. Yeah. I prefer 80s Wolverine with, you know. With no. limitations? Yes, with limitations. Yeah, I agree. Well, there you go. All right, everybody. I think that'll wrap it up for us. Indeed. So, until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. Danger Room.